Americas live and underway here on ESPN Plus. For this episode 237, alongside Hercules Gomez, I'm Sebi Salazar. Herc, what's cooking out there on the West Coast? As you don yet again, Angel City gear. My gosh, the pipeline. Incredible. You got to admit, their gear is pretty fly. You got a hookup, huh? What you want me to say? What you want me to say? Can I tell you what's going on over here on the East Coast? You guys got good weather, right? Like, that's what's going on, finally. Yes, yes, but you know that's not enough to keep me happy. I'm bitter. I don't know if you saw the, the Sites for Gold Cup that came out today. I did, the, and you're The bitter? American Northeast has been forgotten. What do you Only mean Red Bull Stadium has a game? Only New Jersey out of the entire American Northeast, the cradle of soccer in this country. We get no respect. Take a hint, U.S. soccer. Uh, they will be in Toronto, by the way. That's not too far from us. Uh, coming up in this show, Herc, we got lots to cover, including the bad news about the U.S. women's national team, but that's probably the, the biggest news that there is out there. Mallory Swanson out for the World Cup after suffering a serious injury in a friendly against Ireland. We'll have the latest on that. Santiago Jimenez, Herc, continues to light it up in so the air. Divisi, we'll talk about him and his future, potentially away from Feyenoord. We'll have a very special edition of Tigres TV. Your former club now has a new manager. Again, we'll talk about that. Uh, we'll also talk about some big news from the weekend in Major League Soccer. But let's start, Herc, with a story that may actually, for many of our viewers, sound like a repeat. Jesse Marsh reportedly once again turning down a Premier League job. You see this from Fabrizio Romano. The Telegraph reporting specifically Leicester City were close to an agreement with Marsh, who's going to take over for Brendan Rodgers or sack only for Marsh to pull out of talks on Sunday. Of course, there was a very similar situation with Southampton uh, and their opening in February. The Telegraph also reporting Marsh was apprehensive about managing in the championship, Herc, next season. So what do you make of Jesse Marsh turning down another Premier League job? Well, first off, the whole Premier League table from like 12th on, from Chelsea below, everybody's in a relegation battle. Like anything goes. That's a, just a realistic situation there. So you have to be very particular if you're Jesse Marsh about what job you take. The first two jobs, or I should say the last two jobs in your tenure, to most were seen as failures at Leipzig, a huge opportunity. I mean, there were whispers and reports of a player revolt. The locker room turning on Jesse Marsh and he was let go. Goes to Leeds for what was a very beloved Marcelo Bielsa with the fan base, with the players. Leaned very heavily on the American players. Spent lots of money on the Brendan Aronsons, the Tyler Adams, even the Weston McKinney's of the world. Tried putting his stamp, his influence, and it wasn't taken the right way. He's gone. And now the next opportunity, the next job in line could be strike three in the eyes of many. So you have to be very particular in the risk you take. So if you're going to take a Premier League team, and this is now the second team that's been reported that has shown interest in Jesse Marsh, that he said, no, thank you, too. Why? Because most likely, if you don't save the team, they get relegated. That'll be another stain um, on what is your resume. And if you can't have the opportunity to bring this team back, what are you doing there? Why put yourself in a situation where you can't give yourself the best possible opportunity at a long-term project because you know you're going into a situation where odds on you're probably going to be relegated with a team that you didn't sign up for, with a team that you didn't have a hand in molding. So I think it's a smart decision by Jesse. I know many people want to lean into the U.S. men's national conspiracy. I think that's out the window. I don't think that's the reason he's not taking these jobs. I think he wants to make sure the next opportunity is the right opportunity because that could be strike three in the eyes of many. I got no problem, Herc, with Jesse Marsh not taking this job. It's April 10th. There are eight games left in the season. That's not enough time right. to really do anything. J just to compare it in terms of when he took over Leeds, he took over late February, early March. So way more time to work. And as far as this job was concerned, we, it's been reported. He wasn't the first choice. They tried to give the job to Graham Potter. And if you look at some of the other candidates that they're linked to, guys like Rafa Benitez, he might not have even been the second choice. He may have been close to the job, but if you're not the first or second choice, right. How interesting is this job really with eight games to go? Still, all that said, her the idea that an American manager would turn down two Premier League jobs in the space of two months' time is shocking enough that it begs the question, what exactly is Jesse Marsh waiting for? He must be waiting for something special. And in his words on this very program, we know that he feels the U.S. men's national team is a special job. Why don't you think that he's waiting for it? 
I don't think you have to wait for it. I think it'll be there for Jesse Marsh eventually. I think Jesse Marsh, knowing Jesse Marsh from playing against him, from having personal interactions around him when I was a player, he strikes me as the type of individual that's not going to let what happened at Leeds slide. He's not going to let it go easy. He's going to want a second bite of that apple in the Premier League or in the Bundesliga or whatever the challenge may be. And people may ask why he keeps getting these opportunities. That whole Red Bull tree, it's a massive allure. It's a massive seduction for these ownership groups, for these sporting directors. They like that pipeline and what it's done. Honestly, Southampton, I thought was a perfect situation for him. It was a situation where the team was molded in the Red Bull way. He would come in with players who were used to playing that way, and he would have much more time. He didn't take that for whatever reason, maybe the guarantees of where he would be next season if they did go down. I don't think Leicester City was right for him from the get-go. You mentioned he might be third, fourth in line, if that. But I think he thinks, or he maybe already have nibbles out there from other more prominent spaces or places. And if the U.S. men's national is one of them, well, that plays a part. But I don't think he's necessarily trying to wait on that. Since you mentioned the Southampton job, he was offered that in the middle of February. Yeah. So even before he took over Leeds. So he would have had plenty of time there. You, you know Jesse Marsh. So let me ask you this. Is he ambitious? Quickly, just yes or no. Would you describe him as ambitious? Yes. Okay. An ambitious young manager who is turning down back-to-back -back Premier League jobs at this point in his career must be waiting for something, Her. It must be waiting for yeah, something. Something like more than eight games. If you're telling me that the U.S. is not the if you're telling me that the U.S. is not the top of that list, I don't believe you. I don't think I it don't. is right now. All right. We'll see. Only time will tell if Jesse Marsh ends up as the manager of the U.S. men's national team. If he does, he'll be managing this guy. Ricardo Pepe, whose future is very much up in the air, Herc. Why? Well, <laughs> for many reasons. He's on loan at Brown again, he's lighting it up, but of course, he's still property of Augsburg. Here's what their manager, Enrico Massen, had to say. But the calculation worked out perfectly. He's speaking of the Eredivisie loan. That was the idea of giving him more playing time in a league that is perhaps not as physically demanding as the Bundesliga, but is still technically good, Massen added. We are very pleased that his development is going so positively, that he scores a lot of goals and is also in the national team. We look forward to him coming back soon. By the way, the Augsburg sporting director saying there's no plan to sell the player and also that there's no offers or even inquiries right now for Pepe. Pepe then, in an interview with Voitball International. For me, it is clear. I do not want to go back to Augsburg. I have already let the club know that. I have been promised and promised things that have not been fulfilled. Then it is simple. Then you have to look for another club. Pretty direct words there from Ricardo Pepe about the club that right now owns his contract for the next three years. You thought that was direct? How about this from his agent, Jaime Garcia? We appreciate the investment the club has made, but once he came in, it seemed they didn't know how to handle such an investment. The manager didn't speak to him. The director wanted him so badly that he twice did not show up for an appointment with Ricardo that he had scheduled himself. The coach talks about him at a press conference, but does not respond to a message Ricardo sent him for four days. Is that respectful? But maybe he knew that Ricardo wanted to tell him that he doesn't want to return to Augsburg. The agent goes on and on, but basically says Pepe's future not at Augsburg. In fact, it's in the Netherlands. And he also goes out to point out how little playing time <clears throat> Ricardo Pepe had while at Augsburg. A lot to unpack there, Hercules Gomez, but when it's all said and done, Whose side are you on? Who's in the right here? Pepe's camp or his parent club? I mean, a contract's a contract, right? But why is it that it's always business when it's the club that lets the player go? When we don't need you right now, it's nothing personal. That's just the way the game is. So Ricardo Pepe, who all he's ever known at Osberg is the negativity, is the, I didn't do well there, is the, they're not very good, is the, it's not a good situation for me. It may have been toxic, and I go elsewhere, and things happen to go well. Well, I lean with Ricardo Pepe. You've got one go at this. And all fair, and love and war, and especially when it comes to your life and your transfers. So if you need to send subtle or not so subtle messages through the press or directly to the sporting director and coach who don't return your messages, that's what you do. You do everything in your power to get as far away from Osberg as possible. It's not a good situation for him. He doesn't want to go back. He's not in that headspace, and he has, happens to be somewhere 
where, by all reports, because we've heard reports, there are other teams who value him from what he's done in the Eredivisie, what he's done with Groningen. So if he can go elsewhere because of that, let him. If not, now I understand here, he signed a contract, $20 million, and they have the right to try to recuperate as much as that or all of that as possible. But certainly, certainly you can see that the situation wasn't right for him from the get-go. I think it might be fair here to question Ricardo Pepe and his agents handling, but I'm definitely not picking Augsburg's side. Let me read you from something from their sporting director. Quote, Pepe fits our style of play. What style of play? You've had four managers in four seasons. You average barely over one goal a game, and you're not even safe from relegation, right? I think there's six points from the drop with seven games Again. to go. I agree with Ricardo Pepe and his agent and you, Hercules Gomez, that he definitely needs to leave Augsburg. What I'm not so sure of is that he's going to be able to bully his way out. That would be my question here. Why would Augsburg, seeing a player that is scoring goals and that they have under their control for another three years, take a loss on this player? And that's realistically what it's going to have to be. They bought him for, as you always mention on this show, a club record 20 million. What are the teams that are linked to him right now? PSV and Feyenoord. Yep. The respective club transfer records for those two, 15 for PSV, 8 for Feyenoord. Okay? Why would they take a loss? You think he's really going to be able to force his way out? I'm not saying he's going to be able to force his way out. I'm saying you do everything in your power to try to get out. If that's another loan, if that's somebody who takes your salary, if that's somebody who takes you on, a Ricardo Pepe at $20 million playing at... I don't know, PSV, and then you get some form as a Ricardo sure. Pepe Bundesliga player who's not, or I shouldn't even say Bundesliga player. Imagine if Augsburg go down. Imagine if they're a Bundesliga 2 player. If that's what he is, there's going to be a okay. fire sale. They can lose a lot more than that. So you would have him do this this way, not, not quietly. You're, that would be well, your advice? I, I think quietly was two straight train stations ago. That's what he tried. Yeah. He tried texting the coach. He tried texting the general manager or the sporting director. There was nothing of that. So if I'm Ricardo Pepe, I do what I need to do to get out there. And sometimes subtle or not so subtle messages through the press is what you have to do. It's a standoff now. Who's going to budge? But right now the power, Ricardo Pepe scoring goals, that gives him some leverage. That gives him some power. A contract is a contract. And as long as Osberg is in the first division, they hold the most leverage. But if they don't, if for whatever reason they're in the second division, whoo. That's some good leverage for Ricardo Pepe. Yeah, he may not have featured much at Augsburg, as his agent points out, but he has featured quite often on Run It Back. Let's run it back with some other U.S. men's national team players who did well over the weekend in Europe. Ooh, producer Betha liked that transition, even though I'm choking up a little bit. Brendan Aronson with an assist, Herc. His third of the season, that's the good news. The bad news is Leeds lost 5-1 to Crystal Oh, my goodness. Choke job. If ever, he gets an assist. Great. He had a little back heel. Great little save by the goalkeeper. But man, Leeds are struggling. It looks like this club is all but headed down almost. Leeds right now 16th in the Premier League on 29 points ahead of Everton, Nottingham Forest, Leicester City, and Southampton. Haji Wright with his 13th league goal of the season for Antalya Sporher. He's got tons of intangibles. I mean, he's fast, right foot, left foot, good in spaces, great in the air. Haji Wright, we just need to see him in a different level. We need to see him in a different setup for people to really take him seriously. In some reported Premier League interest, following Balogun, 18 goals. This one from the penalty spot. Yeah, test that medal. Look at that. 91st minute, as cool, calm as you'd like. Lower corner, 18 league goals chasing Ooh. Jonathan David and Kylian Mbappe. Hey, look at that stare down, huh, with the goalie on the penalty. Whoo! Chills watching that. Balogun slotting it home. His uh, 18th league goal of the season. We love this graphic. I tell you what, we love, love this graphic. Not quite as prolific. Christian Pulisic. That rhymed I didn't mean for it to. First game for Frank Lampard didn't go well. Chelsea lost 1-0 against Wolves, but Pulisic did get some playing time. 29 minutes off the bench, Her. Yeah, it was a plus 255 anytime goal score. That was not going to happen. They lost to Wolves. That's how bad it got. Mm. Yeah. Anybody expecting the new manager bounce for Chelsea didn't get it, uh, as unfortunately they fall 1-0 against Wolves. It was a golazo, by the way, for Wolves in that one.
from the Premier League, the obvious transition here to Bundesliga 2. Our guy, Fabian Hutzler, the US-born Bayern Munich Academy product, who's now a 30-year-old manager, his team, St. Pauli, a 10th straight win. This is insane, because at one point, they were a, a point away from the relegation zone. 10 straight wins, undefeated this season, or this year, I should say. And this team is defensively so good. Speaking of lower league football, Wrexham, our good friends Ryan Reynolds and Rob McElhenney, their team had a huge game against Knotts County. And look at that. Big golazo there. This one went back and forth. And then in stoppage time, Ben Foster. 40-year-old coming out of retirement. Out of a Hollywood script. Here's what the Hollywood man, Ryan Reynolds, had to say post-game. Uh, I don't I don't feel like I have a heart anymore. I think I used all the beats that I had left uh, during that that match. That was that, that was unlike anything I've ever seen before um, and, and indicative of course of uh, all of you lifers who have uh, watched and participated in this game this beautiful torturous game for forever. I, I'm actually grateful in this moment that I didn't care about this years ago because it would have just eaten me alive. That was that was really something. Yeah, it was it was a pressure cooker coming into this. I think for both both of these teams um, what both have achieved is historic on every level and um, you know, I, I, yeah, I don't think I've ever seen anything quite like that. I'm, when I find, when I get my hands on Ben Foster, I'm going to, I'm going, he's going to be on the injured reserve list because I'm going to break ribs. I'm going to hug him so hard. So, yeah. Wrexham now an overwhelming favorite to win automatic promotion. That would put him in League Two, fourth tier of the English pyramid. Top tier of the German pyramid. Available for you on ESPN Plus. Check out the Bundesliga. Got a triple header for you on Saturday and then a couple games on Sunday. Shout out to our guy, Pellegrino Matarazzo, his Hoffenheim, paying a visit to the defending champions, Bayern Munich, on Saturday. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Santiago Jimenez, en fuego, as they used to say, on SportsCenter. Continues his hot streak with a goal and an assist. As Feyenoord beat Valuic 5-1, to one, her. That assist was dirty. Look at this back heel. Shades of Guti to Zidane. A ridiculous assist. He was on fire. He should have scored another goal off the post. But look, look, look at this finish. Look how calm and composed he is. To side net, he knows what he's doing. He's making it look easy. Tenth league goal of the season. Got his fourth league assist of the season. Created another goal that ends up in an own goal. And Feyenoord with the route victory. Now eight points. Ahead of both Ajax and PSV atop the Eredivisie. Here's a look at the Santi Jimenez stats so far this season, and they are impressive. There you can see where he ranks amongst Eredivisie goal scorers in all competitions. That said, Herc, you know there's a lot of interest boiling up around Europe for this player. Is this summer then the time for Santiago Jimenez to leave the Eredivisie? Get out. Go. I, the crazy thing is, I love the mentality. Um, scores five goals at Cruz Azul, right? Comes into Feyenoord, then it would have been a situation where you've not proven yourself. You're getting minutes here and there, maybe in Europa League, maybe in Cup. Uh, it was around 
I want to say match day 18 when he finally cemented himself as a starter. Since then, he's been a starter. We're at 28 now. So in those 10 mm-hmm. match days, seven goals to assist, the goals that he scored in Cup, the goals that he scored in Europa League. He's really coming into his own, proving his worth. But it's the edit of ECA, and I say this with all due respect, not all goals are created equal. It doesn't matter how many goals you score in the edit of ECA. There's been plenty of situations where you go out and that translates into something, and sometimes it doesn't translate into anything, regardless of the age, regardless of how many goals. Um, there's a player, by the way, who scored 51 goals 11, and 11 assists in 93 games started, okay, in mm. two seasons. That player goes on, okay, that's Josie Altor, by the way. Crushed it in the Eredivisie. And then has this career where he goes to England, where he goes to MLS, back and forth. It doesn't guarantee you anything. And there's other players like Chucky where you're like, well, maybe. And then you have players who did their thing in the Eredivisie. What I'm trying to tell you is the Eredivisie is a goal scorer's league. It doesn't translate to you being an amazing player elsewhere. The only way you will test yourself is if you go elsewhere. So for a player like him, as a Mexican player in those intangibles where he's Good in combination play, very fast, right foot, left foot, good in the air, and has a skill set as a nine, 21 years of age, and in what, a week will be 22? I think you got to go now. I don't care where it is, mm. but I don't think the Eric Divizier is somewhere where you can say, I need to do better another year there. I disagree in the urgency. I'll make that point in a second. Let me throw at you some of the links. Benfica, Frankfurt, right. Napoli. There's been a few in the Premier League. Producer Beto specifically likes Brighton. Of those four and any of the other Premier Leaguers that you've heard of, who do you like for Santiago? Benfica. Be great. Gonzalo Ramos is probably on his way out. Um, Great situation for a team that everybody's talking about. Napoli is a dark horse in the Champions League. Keep your eye on Benfica. I think that's an interesting situation right there. A team that's going to play Inter, Inter, um, who's been struggling in Serie A in the next round of the Champions League and may find themselves in the next round. A team who, by the way, had PSG and Juventus in their group phase and won the group. This is a team that produces bigger and better very quickly for some players. Darwin Nunez, you know, good season. Uh, Benfica goes to Liverpool. You have uh, Enzo Fernandez from Benfica goes to Chelsea. Record transfer. This is a team that put you on that pedestal. And if you could do well there, Santi Jimenez, he's gone. Okay. He's gone to okay. bigger and better. Is Santiago Jimenez and his crew believe that Benfica is the best place for them, the perfect place for them? then he should go now. Other than that, though, I don't think there's urgency. Just to point out, his dad did an interview with ESPN recently, said, we're happy at Feyenoord, okay? We'll see what happens in the summer. Dad lives I in think Mexico specifically, City. specifically, they're probably happy that he's being tutored by Robin Van Persie. You can see the growth that he's had even since he got well, don't there. Don't forget about Dennis De Closa, which is very important for him. I don't think that him sticking around another year in the era of Divisi is going to hurt his stock at all. In fact, I think it'll only, it'll only go up. Let's to all of your points, acknowledge that he came in mid-season as an accomplished what he's accomplished. If he has a full off-season to work with this team, he will absolutely, Herc, dominate this league. And then we're talking about options all over Europe and maybe even some of the biggest clubs coming in for you. I think if Santiago Jimenez believes, like you believe, that Benfica or any of these other options, Brighton, Frankfurt, Napoli, are where he needs to be right now, then he should go. But I would preach patience here because he's not in a bad spot. And unlike Ricardo Pepe, who we we know doesn't have leverage, Jimenez has the leverage here. I think he's going to have a club that is motivated to sell, right? They didn't invest all that much money in him. It's going to come down to his choice. Let me ask you one question. Devil's advocate very quickly. Next Mm -hmm. season, he struggles. What then? You think he's going to struggle? Well, hold the on. only way I see him struggling is barring injury, and that, that's for anybody hold anywhere. We've seen young he's going to dominate this league. Stop. He's going to continue to dominate this league. You can't say he's going to dominate. We don't know oh, that. I, w- I, w- I would put a futures bet right we now that he's going to win the so, top, right, Answer the question. The what happens if he doesn't do well? Will his uh, opportunity that, still be there? That's a what if for everybody who, but who doesn't make the, a move. Except right? that's part of the equation for a young player. Will this opportunity be there? That's a, that's a part of the equation in life. Will this opportunity be there later? So will it be there later? Seb, what do you do now? Like, do you take the opportunity once you know it's there? If that window opens, do you take it? Depends on the money, I think. Not just for him, but for the club as well. Feyenoord, I think, paid $4 million for 50% of his cards, so we'll set his value then at $8 million. It's It's not exactly what Augsburg is in for Ricardo Pepe, right, so right. You know, they, they don't need to get as much to make some good money back. Let's talk about another Mexican forward, Raul Jimenez, who is at a very different point in his career. 
He did not play this past weekend as Wolves beat Chelsea 1-0. We just told you about that game. In fact, he didn't just not play. He didn't even dress. Not in the match day squad. Wolves didn't need him. Obviously getting the victory. They uh, climb up to 13th in the table. And after the match, the manager, Julian Lopetegui, explained Raul's absence with the following words. I just asked about Ryan, Ignori and uh, Raul Jimenez. Where, where were they today? No, because uh, uh, it's a technical decision. I have to choose. We have uh, possibility to choose 20 players, and in the end, we have think that is the for today is the best squad list, of course. Um, but if, for the future, all of them they have to be ready because we are going to need uh, all the squad. Sure. All right, Herc. It's clear that his future is not at Wolves. So what do you think is next for Raul Jimenez? Can we acknowledge really quickly that Julian Plategui was maybe an option for the U.S. men's national team around the same time as Tata Martino and English was an issue? Uh, apparently that's not an issue for him at Wolves. Um, listen, this is a situation where father time is undefeated with any player. Unfortunately, his process was accelerated by a very unfortunate incident with David Luis, the clash of heads in November 2020, and he's not been the same player since. Or maybe some, or I could argue that now he's the player he always was. You look at everything after Club America, he wasn't exactly tearing it up. Actually, after Atletico, he was looking for that opportunity, and he, and he found it at Wolves, where for 18 months, he was a different player. He was a player that was scoring goals. He was a player that you could identify as a top five striker in the Premier League, a top five nine, one of those players that was just goal after goal, assist, creating, wrecking havoc with that Spiritu dos Santos team. This is just a guy who needs to realize like maybe the best years are behind him and you need to go down a level if you want to be productive or if you want to feel somewhat normal because the Premier League, it's been too fast. It's been too much and it may be too late now. So what's next? Where do you think he should go? CONCACAF. I, you know, it's very simple to say, MLS, I don't think he has the market most people would think that he would have in Major League Soccer. I don't know who's going to take that chance on him. I could see plenty of teams taking a chance on Raul Jimenez and Liga Mekis. I could see America taking a chance on him. I could see Cruz Azul, a Monterrey mm. or Tigres. I see the market for him in Liga Mekis. He's only going to be 32 years of age in May. That could still be there for him, and maybe he recaptures some of that form. So no way you think he gets DP money here in Major League Soccer, and you don't think he's coming if he doesn't get DP money? Is that basically what you're saying? Yeah, I don't think he's coming if he doesn't get that DP money. And, and looking at his physical capabilities mm -hmm. as of late, I don't think any team's going to go out there, give him that track record, and say, let's throw a bunch of yeah. money at him and take that chance. Yeah. Uh, I'm trying to think whether it was in Europe. I know in our production meeting today, someone shouted out Mallorca. Of course, Javier Aguirre, yeah, the Mexican yeah, manager yeah. there. Um, but I don't think whether it's anywhere in La Liga or Herc, anywhere in CONCACAF, MLS, Liga Mekis, like nowhere that he goes, are you bringing him there to be a starter, right? And, and at the end of the day, he really just has to find a place he's comfortable because I don't think any team is going to roll with this guy as your number one option to score goals, right? Even coming back from Europe, even in MLS, even in Liga Mekis, what can you really trust with this player? You know what? It's funny you say that. I mean, Tigres won't roll him out as their number one. Monterrey, neither. Uh... There's a situation out there, there is a world out there where I envision Tuca Ferretti and Cruz Azul like saying, mm -hmm. yeah, we'll make this guy something important wow. for us. And that's the type of You think of it forward. would work? You think that would work? Well, that's the type of forward that I think Tuca loves. Those technically very good. One that good. doesn't score? That's the thing, you know? And, and I'd argue he only scored at his time at Wolves if you look at his track record. So who knows, Seb? And, and when it comes to Mallorca, those owners are cheap. I know them. They're very ah, cheap. They're not going to pony on, up that money. Come on. Good friends of the program, uh, including your boy out there in California, Stuart Holden. You hate Stuart Holden. It's crazy. Raul Jimenez uh, has not appeared in Run It Back in a long, 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 long time. But that doesn't mean that other Mexicans are not scoring abroad. Eric Gutierrez among them. Herc with his second Eredivisie goal of the season. His fifth in all comps. Yeah, it's the second of the season, like back-to-back -back weeks, and second off a set piece. Last week, he played as a center back. Now he's in the midfield, and he's scoring goals. Great news for Eric Gutierrez with the absence of Andres Guardado. Like, that's got to be his position to lose, I would assume. Let's go. Uh, PSV, 4-0 winners in that game over Excelsior. Elsewhere in the air Eredivisie, Jorge Sanchez with his second assist in league play as Ajax won 4-0 over Fortuna Citarda on Sunday. Oh, what an assist. It's a great assist. And look at the uh, run. Clears the space for him. 
Good for him. Don't hate. I'm not. That is that. That is uh, brilliant there that. from Jorge Sanchez. Yeah, exactly. Shutting mouths across Netherlands. Memo Choa turning on a uh, Friday afternoon special. Ten saves as Salernitana earn a 1-1 draw against Inter Milan. Yeah, I've seen this movie before. You know, when he was in France with Ajito. When he was at, uh, what is it, uh, Malaga. When he's everywhere he's been. I've in seen this World movie Cup? before. In the World Cup, I've seen this movie before. Salernitana unbeaten in six. Now five of those were draw, just one win. But they are 15th in the table. Seven points away from the drop zone. Good work there from Memo. Jordan Carrillo scores his first goal in the Spanish second division for Sporting as they won 3-1 against Ibiza. That's yeah, a nice some, road trip. Something to take into account. Uh, he's the same age as Santi Jimenez. He's 5'6", attacking midfielder from Santos. A lot of creativity, but you want that production from him, and he's getting it finally. Shout out to our good buddy Rodri Faez. That's his team, isn't it? Yes, sir. All right, up a division. La Liga, of course, available for you on ESPN+. Plus. There's your Match Week 29 slate, some highlights. Uh, Saturday, Real Betis in action. The aforementioned Andres Guardado. Valencia, Sevilla on Sunday. And then Monday, Mallorca travels to Celta. From La Liga to Liga MX, where Tigres lost in shocking fashion 2-1 against Mazatlan on Saturday. Uh, how shocking? Well, Mazatlan, even with this win, still dead last in the table. Just their second win of the season, and it came at the expense of Tigres. What's the fallout? Marco Antonio Ruiz, Chima Ruiz, is out as manager. Tigres, one win in their last seven across all comps. They've dropped the seventh in the table, five points back of the top four. Chima Ruiz replaced Pio Herrera, who replaced Tuca Ferretti, is out. So, the question is, who's going to replace Ruiz? And the answer, Robert Sibolde. You can call him Dante. The Uruguayan took Santos to a league title in Clausura 2018. He's since managed Veracruz, Cruz Azul, Cholos, Al-Ali in Saudi Arabia. His last title, if you want to call it that, the 2019 Leagues Cup with Cruz Azul. All right. Time for some Tigres TV. Hercules Gomez. Is Siboldi the solution for Tigres problems? Diego Coca. Chima Ruiz took over for Diego Coca. Um, yes, sorry. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Uh, it's a catch-22. Now, l- let me tell you why. I could easily envision a world where Roberto Dante Siboldi takes this Tigres team, this set of players, and goes on this ridiculous run and wins Liga Mekis and even wins the CONCACAF Champions League. I can seriously envision that world. I can see that. He's that type of coach. He's got a serious way about him. He understands what it's like to be in a dressing room with these type of figures, with this type of ego and how difficult that could be for any coach. I can see that. I can also envision a world where these players and Roberto Dante Siboldi get in a fight, figuratively (laughs) and literally. In fact, last time Siboldi faced off against this Tigres team was during the pandemic in Cruz Azul and there was a PK shootout, like a preseason tournament, one of these dumb cups they do and whatever, and there was nobody in the stands so you can hear very quick or clearly the sounds, the sights, everything. And he was having a back and forth with Nahuel Guzman, and then he had a face-to-face with Guido Pizarro. They almost went to fist. They almost had that. And also, when he was, you mentioned he was at Santos, mm-hmm. it was Gerardo Alcoba, the Uruguayan center back, that actually got in a fist fight with Siboldi, and then Siboldi turned around and almost got in a fight with his own assistant coach, Leandro Cufre. So, Siboldi's that type of manager. I can envision both. Will he be the solution? Ah, oh, maybe. I want to mm. say this could be very good. Can this be just extremely bad and implode? Absolutely. Perk, it's hard to call him the solution, right? Because I don't think the problem is manager. We just ran through the list. I mean, there's some really good managers that have come into this team since Tuca Ferretti left, and even including Tuca Ferretti, because the signs of the downfall were there at the end of his reign. So, Herc, at some point, don't we have to point to this aging roster? and ask how much longer can they hold on? Well, let's pay attention. They've already addressed the aging roster. They've already introduced names, younger blood. Here's the thing, Seb. Is Diego Lainez having the impact? 
Well, it's not just Diego Lainez, it's Angulo. It's not just Angulo, it's Nico Ibanez. It's not just Nico Ibanez. Are I mean, those guys making an impact? Well, certainly they're making an impact. That's not the problem. Here's the problem. That with the older players you do have, the ones who carry the weight in the locker room, the Nahuel Guzman, the Guido Pizarros, the Samirs, the Cariocas, the, 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 the Gignags. Like, you need somebody who's able to handle these players because if you don't, they're going to run the locker room. They're going to run the team. That's why the coach matters. Tuca Ferretti, like, say what you will about Miguel Herrera. Miguel made a few mistakes, but that team was a winning team. He made some mistakes. It's, Mar it's, it's Chima Ruiz. It's Diego Coca. Those are the ones where they struggle with after. Siboldi, can he be a Ricardo Ferretti or Miguel Herrera-like? Sure, why not? But you're betting on the upside and you're neglecting what your eyes have shown you or have told you or are making you see in the immediate, and that could be very bad. Herc, there was a time when I think almost every team in Liga Mekis feared playing Tigres. I think they've lost that fear factor. Would you disagree with that? I would disagree. I, I really? Would, yeah, I would say there's a handful of teams. A team that teams. just lost to Mazatlan. Yeah. We but, joke about Mazatlan if we reference them on this show. Yeah, that's, that's fine, but I, I still, I think Tigres is a destination team. There are teams now that are destination teams, that they're still seen as a destination team. The best players in Liga Mekis, they really would love to play for Tigres. They want to play in Tigres. That's still Tigres. The situation is you got to mm -hmm. prove why you're one of these grandes. you got to prove why you've got the best decade uh, out of any team, you know, or run of decade, if you will, because it's going on 12, 13 years. You have to prove that. And right now, in the last few years, they've not proven it. And it's been on the players for sure. But with this group of players, this set of player, you definitely need that coach. Tigres right now outside the top four. A couple teams in the top four, America and Rayados. They squared off and was probably the marquee matchup of the weekend, right? Her down in Mexico, yeah. safe to say. Yeah, absolutely. At Azteca, 19 minutes in, and it's actually Rayados that grabbed the lead. Golazo! Dude, this counterattack was lethal. Uh, it ended up winning a, a rebound goal, but it's a golazo. Maxi Mesa just tucks it in, and you thought it was them rolling, and it was going to be them for good. What happens here? I mean, if there was ever an instance for one is the loneliest number, Diego Valdez taking full advantage of the error. Yeah, Andrada with his worst performance since he's been in Mexico. Like, this defensive team gave up nine goals all season, and then he gives up that. Hmm. America getting their winner here, 79th minute. Vinas, the Uruguayan strikes. Yeah, you, you cannot let him get inside of you. He's a big boy. And then you thought all is well as a penalty kick. This is certainly going to be the 2-2 for Monterrey. Joao Rojas, who's coming off an ACL tear, finally plays, comes off the bench and shoots this. Let's go, Malagón. Of course, there's uh, always late drama in Liga MX, but America wins the game by a final score of 2-1. to one. All right, Herc, we're closing in on the Mexican postseason. Which Liga MX team for you right now has the best form? If we're talking about just best form, it's, it's Leon. Maybe it's not a sexy team, sexy name, but if you look at their run of form, it's 13 straight games without a loss. Nine of those being victories. They're proving it in the CCL play. They're proving it in Liga Mekis. This is a team right now with good players. Not great players as far as st statistics will tell you. Uh, Victor Davila, five goals. Diorio, uh, another three. Mena, two. Ambriz, two. Like, they're getting their goals chipped in everywhere. And defensively, they're stout. With Rodolfo Cota in the back and Nicolás Larcamón. Nicolás Larcamón is well known for producing so much with so little from his time at Puebla. This was a perfect just marriage of the two, Grupo Pachuca and Larcamón. I thought they would be good. I didn't think they would be this good this early on. There's no team as in form as Leon today. The numbers would indicate so, and their play, they're aesthetically pleasing. They're coming into their own in the second half. The numbers would indicate so, he says. Leon fourth in the table on 26 points. América, Toluca, and Monterrey all ahead of them in the table. Yeah. The numbers I just say? would say so. The numbers would say so. Hey, look, I think the perfect way to answer this is if only you could prove your form by beating by far the best team in the league. And that's exactly what Club America did, Herc. So for that reason, and that reason alone almost, I'm saying that Club and maybe because I'm a Club America fan, I'm saying that Club America right now have the best form. It wasn't pretty against Rayales. Maybe they were a little bit lucky there, that the help from Andrade, but they took advantage of the mistakes. I have some concerns about Club America. Some of them are injury related. 
Uh, Alejandro Zendejas bloodied in this game. Looks like he's going to take a more conservative treatment approach. He'll be able to play with America. Might, uh, might cost him some U.S. men's national team action this summer. We're yet to see about that. I have a lot of confidence in America after this win against Rayados. You know that I was a little bit pessimistic heading into this match. But now, having seen them win, I think truly they can beat Seth, anybody in this what are you league. talking about? You could have said... They proved it. They've proven it. You could have said Toluca would have been a great shout. They've been in ridiculous form. Monterrey, who before America had 11 straight wins, but you went with a team that just previously lost like two games ago. A team, by the way, that tied Puebla, mm -hmm. tied mm -hmm. Santos, and mm -hmm. tied Atlas. They couldn't beat any of them. Like, or, sorry, just beat Atlas by one. Mm -hmm. Like, they could have, those drop points are, are massive to me. Those teams that are struggling, they didn't beat Toluca. They didn't beat Leon. They, we can make an argument they shouldn't have beat Monterrey. Oh, here we America? go. Here we Seth, go. Seth, There's no deserved why is it in always America? until it fits your argument. Why is it always America? Like, what, be original for once. No, no. No, absolutely I won't. not. I'm not, not going gonna, gonna to have you hate on my take here. Um, look, final word on this. Club America for me has always been deep in my heart. Just let me have my moments, all right? Jeez. Never in my heart, never in my heart, Chivas. Okay, but they have been playing well of late. Let's give them some credit. Faced off against Necaxa, Lilini's Necaxa over the weekend. And uh, not too much action in this one, but early on, chance. Watcho Jimenez there making the play. 71st minute, Chivas get their game winner. Only goal of the game from Pavel Perez. Yeah, it's a great little ball from Alan Mosso with the outside of the foot. Beats the goalkeeper, easy finish. Uh, I mean, it looked easy. It really did, but it got complicated towards the end. Watch Jimenez comes up big yet again. Stop me if you heard that one there. So uh, Chivas snaps a three-match winless streak, and with this victory, Herc, they clinch a spot in the postseason. Is that enough to validate the Paunovic project at Chivas? What are they at, 25 points right now? They're at 25 points today. Think about why 25 points today, and we're asking this question, okay? Because the best that they've had, the best that they've had in the last eight years was Clausura 2016-2017, excuse me, Apertura 2016-2017, they had 28 points. That's the best finish for Chivas in the last eight years. That's why we're having this discussion. They've been close before, 27, mm -hmm. 26 on a few occasions, but their average, their average as far as where they land is ninth place over the last eight years. So is it enough right now with Velko Panovic? I think he's done relatively well. Yeah. Has he done anything we've not seen from Chivas in the last eight years? No, he's not. Can he? Yes, he can. Still three games. They've got three games to play. Leon, not going to be easy, but Leon do play. Conca champions. So maybe there's an alternate lineup there. Maybe they could take advantage. Cruz Azul, a bit of a Jekyll and Hyde team. You don't know what to expect. Can beat them, sure, but can easily take that L as well. And Mazatlan, they should beat Mazatlan on paper. They honestly should beat Mazatlan on paper. So at worst, you would expect them, honestly, Seb, to tie mm -hmm. the 28 points. But they should, in theory, if they're as legit as they are or as producer Beto would like us to feel. And Velko Panovic is the man. They got to get over those 28 points. Okay. If he can do that, give him time. And what I mean okay. by time is don't yank the project the following season when they don't win the first five games or whatever. Give them time. Less, Im less important for me, Herc, is placing the table. Do you think they're going to finish top four, honestly? No, but not because of okay. Chivas. I okay. just think there's a few. There are teams like Toluca, Leon, America. Um, who else is on there? Pachuca, who could be in the mix. There you go. Thank you. Um, so I think it's going to be very difficult for them to get that top four finish. All right. Then if Validate is just keep them around for another season, sure. But if Validate is, is anything bigger than that, which I always suggest for Chivas it should be, and I think, you know, maybe maybe this is a little bit premature. Chivas, uh, as you see there, sixth in the table. Not yet. Not yet. feeling some type of way about Chivas, though. Admit it. Four. Oh, I love me some Chivas. You know me. Very patriotic. All right, let's talk U.S. Women's National Team Hurt. They were in action against Ireland over the weekend. Sophia Smith back with the team, 24th minute. Through ball here and scary, scary collision involving Mallory Swanson. Yeah, never a good sign. This was the first one she comes out, would stay in the game. 
From there to the 37th minute, Emily Fox. Yes, Emily Fox, the defender, her hit the goal. Yeah, allowed to just drive at the heart of the Ireland defensive side right there. Nobody steps up in between four players. Keeper gets screen. She'll take that. All right, so just before the half, here's where it goes down. Mallory Swanson in obvious pain, Herc. And I think anybody watching this, and you see it right there in the stands, knew it right away, even before the stretcher came out, that this was potentially very serious. Yeah, just a, an awful tackle. Takes out her plant foot. Very dangerous play. She tries stopping there. Almost looks like it gets caught underneath as well. Not a good sign. Afterwards, we find out torn patellar tendon left knee for Mallory Swanson. Second half, Julie Ertz back with the team for the first time since the bronze medal match at the Tokyo Olympics. Came on in the second half. 72nd minute, Julie Ertz doing what? Julie Ertz does, getting right in the mix. Yeah, protecting that back line, even if it means taking that yellow. Like old times. And of course, the U.S. would add one more late through Lindsey Horan to make it 2-0. A victory, but a victory with the cloud. Here's Vladko Ananovsky on Swanson. Mel had to uh, leave the stadium. We don't know the extent of the injury yet. She's getting checked out uh, uh, as we speak. And uh, I'm hoping for uh, good news uh, uh, in the near future. Vladko, it looked like it was her patellar tendon or her kneecap. Um, can you confirm or that or not there I mean I, I I wish I could I could say more and that's uh, that's probably uh, something that our doctor can uh, can answer because I don't even understand those terms uh, as good as you uh, so uh, as of right now we just know that uh, she's getting checked out and uh, we're waiting for the results and uh, like I said hopefully we get uh, good word that was obviously post-game. We now have the update. By the way, Alyssa Thompson is going to take Mallory Swanson's spot on the roster. Herc, just how big a deal is this for the U.S. women's national team? Massive, because if there was one informed and healthy player for the U.S. women's national team, it was Mallory Swanson. It was the player who, after being lapped off the Olympic roster, really took it upon herself to be better and was better for it, was on a mission, and she was showing in the last games for the U.S. women's national team. So now you're banking on a soon-to-be 34-year-old Alex Morgan coming off a knee procedure who maybe uh, can regain the form that she had last year at the NWSL level, but her last major tournament where she was really, really tested didn't go so well, which was the Olympics back in 2020 in Tokyo. Uh, a goal, or a few goals in the group phase um, versus New Zealand and a penalty kick versus the Netherlands. After that, Katarina Macquario, still not there, still on the mend. You haven't seen her as of yet. Uh, Trinity Rodman, who her best season was her rookie year in the NWSL, hasn't been the same player that she showed or the, hasn't showed those same flashes of promise, neither for her club nor country. Uh, Sophia Smith, that you can hope, can regain that form that she had last season and is this season in the NWSL, but is coming off a foot injury, which is why she didn't play uh, with the U.S. Women's National Team. That's your best shot. And it goes to show you that they ended up bringing up Alyssa Thompson, who's an unproven teenager, because this team was supposed to be the best in the world, is really grasping at straws when it comes to player personnel. This is devastating, Her. No other way to put it. This close to the World Cup to lose, as you say, your most informed, healthy player. This is bad news. This is real bad news, and I think it changes the ceiling for the U.S. Women's National Team at the World Cup. I think it's that significant of an injury. This team, if you really think about the identity of what this team was going to be and what Vladko Andonovsky wanted, it was going to be Sophia Smith and Mallory Swanson. That speed was going to define this team at this World Cup. Now, Sophia Smith is still there, but Mallory Swanson was the other side of that. And for all the depth and all the names that you mentioned, there's nobody else who is as red hot or as proven at international level as Mallory Swanson. This is this is serious, serious problem for the U.S. women's national team. I don't think there's an answer. And I know that the big storyline going into this weekend, Herc, was that Julie Ertz was coming back. I think that's now problem number two. I think if Vladko Anonofsky has a priority list, it's what do we do with this other spot and who can we get in there? Because the latest we're hearing on Katarina Macario is she's not back to competitive games either. And Vladko wants to see her in competitive games before he can bring her in. 
So we're running out of time, and the problems are mounting up for this U.S. women's national team uh, ahead of this World Cup. I'm not as optimistic, Herc, as well, I once was. Well, that sounds was. familiar from Vladko. I thought I heard the same thing about Julie Ertz. You're right. You're right. Facts change, so do opinions. What do we always <laughs> say here on, on Football Americas? All right, let's move to Major League Soccer. San Jose Earthquakes and the New York Red Bulls played a game, but that's not the headline here. MLS announcing it's going to open an investigation after Quake striker Jeremy Abobasi said a New York Red Bulls player made a racist m remark during the second half of Saturday's game uh, that nearly caused San Jose to walk off the field. Uh, we have since found out who the player is. But let's first hear what Jeremy Abobasi had to say after the game. I think what's important for me to share is that I know what I heard. And the reason why I felt after a lengthy conversation that we should continue on with the game is because the player who said the word claimed that it was not aimed at any of us. Whether that is a good faith comment or not, again, we'll see how the investigation goes on. Um, but just a, a difficult moment. Uh, once again, players being put in charge, forced to make a decision, manage all sorts of emotions, because the system is not robust enough uh, to capture moments and gain clarity within the matter of minutes, seconds, that these actions happen. All right, so that was Ibobasi's explanation after the match. In the hours since, much more has come out, including this statement from the New York Red Bulls, who have apparently accepted Ibobasi's version of events. The New York Red Bulls wholeheartedly apologize for the unacceptable events that transpired on Saturday night during the match with the San Jose Earthquakes. The words and, action, and inaction was inexcusable, and we believe there is never a place for it. We always strive for an environment that is inclusive and anti-racist. Our organization is committed to providing the resources to further educate our players and staff, as well as rebuilding trust within our community. All right, well, the player who at first was alleged to have made the racist remark has now admitted it. Dante Van Zier, I want to sincerely apologize to the players of the earthquakes. I will do everything I can to be part of the change that needs to happen in this sport and our world. I also want to apologize to my teammates, coaches, the organizations, and our fans. I made a mistake and will take all the necessary steps to grow. He continued, I accept full responsibility for my actions. While I did not intend to cause any harm or offense with my language, I know that I did, and for that I'm deeply sorry. I will agree to any suspension, fine, and counseling that is handed down by Major League Soccer and the club. I will use this opportunity to better myself, reflect, and dedicate my time and efforts to work with organizations that tackle racial injustice. Uh, there was also a statement from New York Red Bulls manager apologizing for not pulling his team uh, off the field, which Luchi Gonzalez, the San Jose Quakes coach, seemed to be asking for for those uh, that did see this live. All right, Herc, it's not the first such incident that we've seen across MLS. How should the league respond this time? They keep saying zero tolerance. That's what MLS keeps preaching. It can't be zero tolerance if every time, if every single time a victim comes forward, nothing is being done. This isn't the first time. I can go back to 2018. David Guzman, uh, who played for, at that time, the Portland Timbers in an Open Cup game against LAFC, and Adama Diomande, a racial slur that Adama Diomande confirms David Guzman hurled at him. Nothing came of the investigation. Franco Tragapane, Minnesota United, same thing. Uh, Diego Chara, nothing happened. This was back in 2021. Um, last season, Taxi Fantas had a situation with Damien Lowe of Inter-Miami. It was so bad that his own coach, Wayne Rooney, took him out of the game. Nothing happened by Major League Soccer. Oh, and also, 
Do you remember Alexander Katai? Do you remember that it wasn't even him? Finally, something happened. It wasn't even him. It was his wife who tweeted out, or on social media, I should say, put out some photo, unfortunate photo, of a George Floyd incident. He was let go three days later by the LA Galaxy. That's as far as anything's <clears throat> ever happened. So you can't say we are zero tolerance. And then every time something happens, you find nothing. Now you have something that is happening. You need to make an example of not only this player, but the head coach. Wayne Rooney didn't waver. Wayne Rooney didn't think twice when it was Phil Neville who spoke to him, mate, take this guy out. Hmm. Do not let the players, do not let the coaches be forced to be the ones who police themselves. This is what Jeremy Abobisa is trying to get at. You can't let them have that power. You can't let them be the ones who have to make the decision. At some point, Major League Soccer has to make an example out of these players. Yeah. First of all, you have to do what's right. But beyond that, Herc, I think it's worth mentioning that Major League Soccer enjoys a, a pretty prestigious image relative to its level of play worldwide. People want to be in this league. Don Garber has always wanted it to be a destination league. Incidents like this and repeated incidents like this can change that and actually probably will change that about MLS. MLS doesn't have the luxury to have these incidents popping up over and over and over again. No league does in 2023. So I think it's time that MLS, to your point, step up. We see some sanctions. And this time, fortunately for all parties involved, there is no doubt, right? We have an admission from one side. So if MLS ever really wanted to bring the hammer down and to your point, set an example, they have everything they could possibly need to do so. I hope we see that from the league because we've talked about image when it comes to Liga Mekis a lot. And you can have a bad image internationally pretty quick and that can hurt you in very, very important ways. So MLS needs to be careful. Everybody talks about it as this destination league, but that can change awfully quick if stuff like this continues. To your point about Wayne Rooney, he was in the headlines this weekend as well. DC United lost again. Huh? Surprise, surprise. Surprise, surprise. Yes, that's right. Uh, Saturday night against Columbus. Final score, 2-0. I was especially bitter because I had both teams to score. There were plenty of questionable calls in this match. As a DC United fan, I will 100% agree with that. But Wayne Rooney criticized the referees after the match. Here's what he had to say. Let's listen in to the DC United manager. I am really disappointed. Um, we spoke with the officials this week over the taxi front as one. Still to my disbelief, um, they still think it wasn't a penalty. Um, and I don't know, maybe I shouldn't ask questions because I don't think anything was, was given to us tonight. Um, and I get it, I say it every week, I understand the, it's a very difficult job for the officials, but maybe it's different here. Maybe I can't ask questions and can't ask why these decisions are not getting given. So I, I don't know, I, I don't understand it. Um, I don't know, maybe, yeah, it's, it's very strange. But I know there's some very good referees in the USL. I remember we played Vancouver away when I was a player and I questioned the referees and then the next game got a save like that. Yeah. Um, I questioned the referees on tax funds as a penalty, then the next game we can see the penalty. Um, I, I don't understand, and I don't want to say too much because I know it's very difficult sure. for the officials. and. Um, but when an official gets a decision wrong, in my opinion, I think a bit of taking responsibility there. I, I take responsibility if I get team selection wrong, substitutions wrong, I'll always take responsibility, take responsibility as a result tonight. But I think just taking responsibility and sometimes when you make a mistake, um, I'd rather than admit to it. So Wayne Rooney claims refs are retaliating against him. Herc, get lost, or does he have a point? I'm, I'm very curious on your take. I'm going to tell you, I don't think it's a get lost. Let me tell you where I think he has a point here, okay? And I know this is conflicting for you because now you have to talk bad about DC United to me, and this makes you feel all types of ways, but he's absolutely right. I mean, that's what you want, accountability. If a referee makes a mistake... You want them to be held accountable. Seb, if I'm not good at my job, 
ESPN's gonna have a talk with me. Get better or guess what? You're gone. Same thing when I was a player. If I miss a play, miss an assignment, don't get it right, and it's at a national or international level, it's even worse. You're going to be gone. You have to be held accountable for your mistakes. He's absolutely right. There are officials who remember, ah, oh, this guy's a talker. Oh, this oh, guy said on. this. Don't oh, come on me. It's human nature. How can you not? You're not going to ignore things. But what he's saying, the crux of what he's saying is absolutely true. You should be held accountable. And he okay. takes a shot. There are, good there are good referees in the USL. That's a shot about the bad referees in Major League <laughs> Soccer. You see that there. But he's not wrong. And, and I will add, okay. I didn't get to watch the game because I find it incredibly difficult to watch 20-something uh, okay. games okay. In, in a five-hour window. But um, yes, but he's right on this one. Does it not sound like a manager making excuses, Herc? The referees are out to get me? Is that what he said? They're out to get him? I mean, he's saying maybe I shouldn't talk because the last time I, I, I said something about the referees, they gave me a red card. They're going to retaliate against me. I just Do you really believe you that's human happening? Nature. Oh, I, of course. Oh, I don't think he said they're out to get me. I think this... I, I, I want to root for DC United. I want to root for Wayne Rooney. Do you Rooney, think it but... was a penalty kick? Yes, 100%. I was screaming oh, at my no! TV. <laughs> Right, but again, the MLS managers just overwhelming gripes about the referees. Like at some point, MLS is not the Premier League. You're not going to have the best referees in the world. Well, no, okay. Hold time out. If you were a Premier League manager, you'd be in the Premier time League. Out. It's the okay. Premier League has got We're his MLS, own set. We don't of, have the best refs. They have Deal their own set of issues when it comes to refereeing as well. All he's saying yeah. is they should be held accountable. Do you agree with that? Of course, of course, referees should then, be held accountable. But then, don't complain after the game and say that oh, the reason that we might have lost and insinuate. And insinuate, Herc. So I don't like the insinuation that, that referees are specifically out to get Wayne Rooney. And I that's don't believe you, that he believes that's that. That's what you took from that? That that, ref, that Wayne Rooney says the referees are out to get him? That's what you took from this? Why bring up the Vancouver incident five years because ago? Because it happened. There was a cause and an effect. It's human nature. Okay. All right, well, I want you to watch more DC United games, and then you can be the judge if MLS refs really have it out for Wayne Rooney in the black and red. I hope they don't. I hope they don't, because we need all the help we can get. Uh, we will see folks again on Thursday. Sofia Huerta are going to be joining us live. Excited about that. We'll also have a look back on CONCACAF Champions League action as well. So that'll do it for this edition of Football Americas, and we will see you right back here Thursday for the next edition of the show. Catch us live twice a week, Mondays and Thursdays, right here on ESPN+. Plus.